When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul taking your calls 0818103103, text your WhatsApp 0862103103 and celebrations were in full swing across the country but especially here in Cork over the weekend as friends and family enjoyed the first nights of socialising unrestrained by COVID restrictions. Michael O'Donovan is chair of the Cork Vintners Federation and owner of the Castle Inn on South Main Street. And Michael joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Well, what kind of a weekend was it like in your own bar? Uh, it was great. It was busy. <laughs> you know, like we opened the doors lunchtime Saturday, just after lunchtime Saturday. And uh, it was a steady stream of people in and out all day. I think people had plans in place already prior to Friday night, you know, I think there was a lot of people had uh, early plans because there was an expectation Saturday night we'd, they'd be going home at 8 o'clock. So it was great come half 7, we weren't telling them last orders. And I think uh, a lot of people, you know, from 10, 11 o'clock on started drifting away home themselves um, because they had been out earlier. But it was great to see, you know, people coming out and, um, you know, coming up to the bar counter, especially Saturday. And the, the one word that kept being used you know it is great to be back and I suppose the other one then was uh, people asking can we sit here at the stools at the bar counter you know it was fantastic to see people and the, inter- the interaction at the bar counter because that is the heartbeat of, it, of any bar in Ireland Yeah how much was that missed Michael the not being able to sit at the bar counter Well look an example of it in my own bar yesterday evening um, at five o'clock I had six of my elderly customers sitting across the bar counter and, you know, people were coming up to order in between them and they were chatting to them, conversing with them, conversing with each other, where if I roll back 24, 48 hours, they'd have been sitting at six different tables, there'd have been no communication, you know, they'd have been yeah. just sitting there themselves. Um, and like yesterday, they were laughing, they were talking to each other, matches were on the telly, um, you know, TJ Reid's goal the last minute was a talking point for about an hour afterwards what they should have done what could have been done you know all these small things but uh, you know it was great to see it yesterday Yeah whereas when you're sitting at tables a distance away from each other it doesn't lend itself to natural conversations No it was look I suppose it was a very sterile environment you know when you had dividers between tables you know you had screens 
you had signs everywhere, do this, do that, um, you know, sit here, table service. It's not what the Irish pub is about, you know. We're, we're about entertainment, enjoyment. People work hard, earn money, and, you know, they like to go out and enjoy themselves. While we really, in, you know, um, appreciated the support of people for the last 22 months, it wasn't really the Irish pub experience where now it's back to where, you know, uh, Saturday and yesterday, uh, it's back to what we do best, you know, provide people with entertainment, a bit of fun, and it's the, the Irish pub is back. Were you surprised at how dramatically nearly all of the restrictions were lifted on Friday night? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, last Monday we were in Dublin and uh, we were we were meeting as a, a management committee of the Vintners Federation and like we thought, you know, today probably if we're honest, we thought we'd be uh, going to maybe half 11 tonight and if at a stretch, if we got the tables of six, increased the tables of 10, um you know, we, we would have seen that as possibly the best case scenario. And uh, Thursday evening, around nine o'clock, when the news broke of the Nefis letter that had gone to Minister Donnelly, it was, uh, you know, I think we were in a state of shock, really, because we Nefit had been so conservative um, up to that point, and to see going from that to you know the liberal side of it, it was a, uh, it was it was a great sense, you know, of I suppose joy and then worry how do we get this in place you know so uh, in what's going to happen and then friday when we heard the news that it was going to happen on saturday you know it was it just came so fast it was just unbelievable yeah because i know on friday we were all trying to predict and anticipate what was going to happen at six o'clock when michael martin would once again address the nation and we'd shown defoe our political editor on and he was saying that even within government circles they seemed surprised at what was contained in that letter from Neffet. They weren't expecting Neffet to say it's OK to lift practically all of the restrictions. Yeah, no, look, we've been in contact with uh, government departments, I suppose, and TDs and ministers uh, last week. And, you know, we were obviously trying to get them to uh, ease things on Monday because we were kind of thinking that it might be next Friday coming that they might ease things but even the easing as I said was only going to be the time and possibly the numbers at a table but um, yeah I think it took everybody by surprise the letter on Thursday night. There will be some people that this new normal will be an anxious time for some. Yeah and look it is um, you know Look, I suppose the biggest thing at the weekend, we saw lunchtime Saturday into the early afternoon, people were wearing masks coming in. It's not mandatory anymore. I can't ask them to wear masks or, um, you know, I suppose individual establishments might put some practices in place. But, um, you know, people don't have to wear masks. So, look, it'll just take time for people to feel comfortable to come in um, and see how it is. But maybe, you know, if they're a bit anxious, maybe come and, you know, the off-peak times, you know, early in the week, something like that, see how your local pub is. And uh, I suppose and, for and later... If, I, and if you feel more comfortable walking in with a mask, that's fine too. That's fine too. Like yesterday, there was people wearing masks, coming to the counter, ordering their drinks, going back uh, to meet their friends and then taking off their masks. It, it's whatever you feel comfortable to do. Um, you know, staff will be wearing masks for the next couple of weeks. Um, and maybe even longer, we don't know, but it's it's in place until the 28th of February. So, like, they're, they're, and look, every pub, I think, has still kept hand sanitizer. I know we have on all our entrances and exits. Um, and, you know, look, there's small precautions still in place. Um, but, you know, 
I suppose it's just about feeling safe and feeling comfortable for the person coming in. Okay, but no COVID pass, no no signing in for contact tracing. No, that's all gone, stopped. Uh, thank God, <laughs> at, uh, six o'clock on Saturday morning because you know that was look. We never really wanted to be in that position. I think I said that to you many yeah. a time. You know, we don't want to be asking people their personal details of vaccinations. So. Um, you know, it's great that people can come back and feel and do what they want to do. And no table service. You go up to the bar now yourself. Yeah, you come to the bar, talk to the barman, bar person, you know, and uh, order your drink. And if there's somebody sitting there, have a conversation <laughs> with them while you're waiting and then go back to your friends. It, it, it's what it's all about, really, you know, coming okay. out and enjoying yourself. And also no limits on the numbers you can have at a table. So a group of 10 people yeah, can go out. And, you know, that was one of the big things we did see on Saturday, um, you know, groups coming out and, you know, one or two teams coming out. They hadn't been out together, I suppose, in two years for a lot of them. So it was great to see some of them coming out and, you know, after training Saturday evening or whatever it was and going for a few drinks and going home. Um, to, to, you know, it was just fantastic. Yeah, I saw a group. They were a group of siblings, 10 brothers and sisters, uh, all sitting down together. It looked like they were having a meal and a few drinks. And it was their first time getting together um, and they'd lost their mother during the pandemic. And it was the first time in two years that all 10 of them had sat down together. Yeah, look, you'll, I, I'm sure we'll hear many a story yeah. of that in the coming days like that. And, you know, I suppose the next week, two, three weeks, you'll have a lot of catching up families and friends that haven't seen each other in a long time. So, um, you know, the pubs, restaurants, hospitality in general, we'll, we'll all be here to welcome them and keep them safe and enjoy themselves in the coming days and weeks ahead. OK, and no requirement for a, ni- a nine euro meal. <laughs> never again want to hear chicken wings or pizzas or a nine euro meal it's probably the one we will look back on and talk about the most I think probably the funniest part of it yeah Yeah. when it's all over in a couple of years and we're looking back that will be probably the highlight of the one that everybody will remember well good to have you back at what you do best uh, Michael well done and uh, thank you for joining us once again on the programme indeed for all your contributions uh, throughout the pandemic we will speak again but in the meantime uh, thank you for joining us this morning Thank you, Patricia. Good, Good morning. morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan. You can actually hear it in his voice, isn't it? There's a lift in his voice. He's owner of the Castle Inn on South Main Street in, in the city, but he's chair of the Cork Vintners uh, Federation. And now we have to get used to what is a new normal. And this new normal will be an anxious time for some. And I certainly noticed it even when I was out doing some shopping on Saturday. You could hear people having conversations and still doing the social distancing. You could see people standing apart lots of people still wearing their masks outside certainly any of the shops I was in everyone had masks on even though I was in one shop and I got the sense that somebody was very close behind me and I think because we're so conditioned to the social distancing I sort of glanced over my shoulder oh you know trying to get the message across you're very close to me and then I realised the woman was entitled to be close to me because social distancing is is gone so I suppose that's the new normal it's getting used to that again and getting used to getting back to what it used to be pre the pandemic, but there will be people who will compromise immune systems. Maybe somebody at home is very vulnerable. And, you know, the pandemic hasn't gone away. So there's a lot now of 
personal responsibility. Now it's kind of handing it over to us to be adults about this. And if you feel unsafe, if you go somewhere and it's very crowded and you're not feeling comfortable, then you've got the personal responsibility uh, to leave. And I think that was good advice from Michael, particularly about people going back out to their local again. Go to time when it's quiet, you know, and check it out and see if you're going to feel comfortable or not. But certainly it is this new normal will be an anxious time for many. Your thoughts, welcome. I was so saddened on Saturday morning to hear that Cullum had uh, passed away. Cullum was uh, well known as a broadcaster, uh, a journalist and certainly for us on the programme he was well known as an author. He had, I was surprised to realise it was 29 books in total that Cullum had written. Eight of them were Irish bestsellers and I think each of the bestsellers I would have had the honour of interviewing him about here on uh, the programme. He retired from RTE and from broadcasting in 2003 and then he became a full-time writer even though he had written some books uh, previous to that but he dedicated himself fully then to writing books from 2003 and I remember he came on certainly our radar here on the programme with the books that he wrote uh, about near-death experiences he had all of them became number one bestsellers in this country books like Going Home uh, We'll Meet Again Heading for the Light uh, The Distant Shore and Forewarned and he had done so much research on near-death experiences. And I remember interviewing for one of the books and, and he always came to studio and that's what I always loved about Colin. He always insisted that he'd come to studio, he'd sit opposite you uh, to do the interview. You know, and in many cases, local radio stations, if, you know, if we're getting any sort of big big name stars as I would say many of them will you know do interviews over the phone some of them are, are unique in that they'll insist on coming to the studio and I and you know they they sort of have an appreciation of local radio which it's something I always love about people that do that and certainly Colm uh, was one of those but I remember talking to him about one of his near death and sort of afterlife and dying one of those books and I remember asking him you know do you fear a death and he said no that he doesn't because he's done so much research and he so believes in an afterlife and meeting people that have gone before us and of course um, Colm and his gorgeous gorgeous wife Una O'Hagan who's known to all of us as the newsreader they lost their only child uh, Sean who died in I think it was 2007 he died he had been battling cancer young Sean and he died aged 20 on uh, Christmas Day and there was always the sense with Colm because of all of these books that he had done about near-death experiences and afterlife, there was always that sense that he knows that when he dies, he was going to meet his beloved Sean. And, you know, both Colm and Una never got over, never, like, they got on with their lives. But how do you ever get over the death of a much-loved child? And then in recent years, I would have been joined in studio by Colm along with his beautiful wife, Una O'Hagan, because when Una retired as newsreader with RTE, she then got into co-writing the books with uh, Colm. I think the first was the Animal Crackers one, the Irish Pet Stories. That was just such a delightful book. But then, of course, there was some uh, really great books. They they got together. They did the one on the village of Bernadette about Lourdes and the, the stories and the miracles and the cures associated with uh, Lourdes. And then there was the one on St. Teresa of Lisieux. And then just last year, the last time that I spoke with both Una and Colm was the book all about St. Bridget, the book of St. Uh, 
St Bridget and obviously because of Covid times they couldn't come to studio and I interviewed both of them over the phone and I knew in Cullum's voice his his voice was a little bit weak because he had been battling uh, cancer himself but he did an absolute cracker of an interview along with Una so much so that when we were making the decisions about the interviews that we would pick that we broadcast throughout all of last year uh, we picked 15 of them that would be included included in the best of the year the look back at the year that we run that programme between Christmas and New Year and top of the list was the interview about uh, the book on St Bridget's because we'd got such a reaction uh, to it and only last week I was thinking of both Cullum and Una because there's so, there was so much talk about St Bridget's Day and how from next year we would be honouring St Bridget's Day and having a bank holiday around it and I remember thinking oh I must bring on Cullum and Una to talk about it they'll be thrilled to hear that uh, you know because they, they have uh, they, they had done so much research into St Bridget and really wanted her to be honoured and wanted her day to be recognised almost as much as St Patrick's Day is so I was glad to know that Cullen would have got that news before he passed away I was in contact with Una over the weekend I mean my heart just breaks for the woman she's lost her only child and now she's lost her beloved husband and you know Colin was one of life's gentlemen. You know, every now and again you meet people and you think, my God, what a rare breed of a man. And that's exactly what uh, Colin was. But when you saw Colin and Una together, and I can still picture the two of them sitting opposite me here in studio and we'd be going through the interview and they... They worked so well together. Each knew who was going to answer the question. I never had to sort of dead, you know, put the question at anyone. Each would know, I'll take that. No, you take, yeah, you'll be better at that. And then they would answer the question. And when I would be, say, Colm was speaking, if I was obviously looking at Colm as he was speaking to me here in the studio, and I'd glance out of the corner of my eye at Una. And the way she would look at him as he was speaking, and then if it was Una was speaking, I'd out of the corner of my eye look at Colm, and the way he would look at her, they just had this incredible uh, relationship and this, like they were friends and they were so in love that she's just go, how, she's just going to be bereft uh, without him. But as I say, I was in contact with her at the weekend and she said that he had a very peaceful death and you couldn't wish for anything more. For, as I say, he's just a complete and utter uh, gentleman. His... Uh, his funeral is tomorrow, Our Lady of Lords Church in uh, Yall at half past 11 and that'll be followed by a private uh, cremation. Uh, to Colm Keane, may his gentle soul rest in peace. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Last week, the government announced that a €1,000 pandemic bonus will be paid to frontline healthcare workers and the money will be paid in either February or March of this year. Many of our listeners asked, would care assistance and home helps be included in the payout? West Corkdall Deputy Michael Collins joins me because he's campaigning to have this group of workers included. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Michael, we tried to ask the Department of Health if home support workers would be included and they told us they're looking into it. Do you know at this stage, what is the line with the home helps? At this present time, and it looks like home helps and, and family will take care are being omitted from this uh, this payment, uh, Patricia. Now, um, when pressed, and uh, it looks to me as if the cart was put before the horse in this one, uh, when Preston was all there on Thursday, Tanish Leo Vradka said that the chief is setting up a panel um, to, to look at who would be entitled to this payment. Now, 
what I can't understand is, you know, this a payment like this has been talked about for months and months, and how is it that the panel's only been set up now after an announcement been made? And it's obvious to me as if, you know, they didn't realise that they'd get such a high level of criticism uh, about this. And, and in fairness, like, you know, I met a lady in uh, home health the other day in Dunmanway. She said to me, it's not so much the money, it's the respect. And, and that's, that's a good point. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a really good point. It stood, this, out, it stood out to me when she said that to me. I said, you, you know, you're right. She said, we've been disrespected from the word go. The home helps have, and we've done everything. We've, we've done everything we could to help people at home and, and, and to stay at home in their, their home setting. And they were very much at the front line. They were, and like in fairness, many of them um, were, were going to, we'll say, into homes where there was COVID and they knew that. And they, they, especially home helps there, you know, they, they, they put on their PPE gear, they covered themselves, even some people are telling me over the weekend, we sanitised our cars, never mind ourselves, you know, made sure everything was clean to perfection. In some situations, uh, Patricia, families weren't allowed to visit people, yeah, and, and yeah. the home help was the only person that these people got to meet. And surely be to God, like, out of some bit of respect, it beggars belief that they're now being disrespected, but the problem is, the unfortunate situation we find ourselves in, and I'm pretty sure it was on your radio show, talking about home helps when the PPE gear was being distributed, yeah. when the vaccinations were, they were the last of the pack. And they can't, this can't continue because they don't deserve that type of treatment. They should be at the top of the pack. They should be in line with, with those who are in the hospitals who are working because they're in the very same type of setting. Yeah, because I remember in the early days now of the pandemic, back in, in 2020, we had home helps contacting us saying... They didn't have any PPE gear. And, you know, we had cases where people were offering, you know, disposable gloves to them or, you know, and it just seemed a crazy situation. And this was, then there was a year where there was no vaccine. There was, uh, absolutely. And when the vaccines came, again, uh, home helps were, uh, so many were continuously contacting me with some scholar or or saying to me, why are we at the way down the list in relation to getting our vaccinations because we're visiting people and we're, they were worried for themselves, they were worried for their families, but they were also worried for the people that they were going to visit in their homes to make sure that they had, and they seemed to have, there was seemed to be a vicious struggle, struggle sorry, to, to get the PPE gear, to get the vaccination for them. It was an uphill battle. And now the proof is in the pudding that they're, you know, they're not respected. And, 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 and that disrespect has to be overturned and changed. And we, we, it is our job in the Dáil to, in the opposition to make sure that that is done. We're trying it. But, um, and I've contacted the Minister, the Taoiseach, this department, and the Minister for Health, and I'm awaiting a reply. I've also brought it up in the Dáil last Thursday that they have to overturn this decision. They okay, have to include and, home helps and, and the, family care. And if, and if they do include home helps, would you be saying both the ones employed by the HSC and the ones employed by private companies? Oh yes, certainly yeah. you can't you can't you cannot separate one from the other because both of them are providing a Trojan uh, service to the people that they look after. And you know, you you meet so many people that tell me you know that they wouldn't be in their homes today. They wouldn't. They'd be inside a, a nursing home or a hospital only for the the home help and what the work they do for them. And I I never ask them is it a private or is it you know from the private company or is it from the uh, uh, the HSE the home health services coming. We need to put um, further resources, and that's another day's uh, fight into the into the home health service. But certainly in this situation, this recognition one thousand euro payments, these home health uh, care work, uh, home health workers, and uh, the the family carers have to be considered seriously considered for this. Okay, you me- you fair. mentioned that the pan the Taoiseach has set up this panel uh, to decide who's who is entitled to the bonus and who's not. Do we know anything about who's on that panel? 
No, we don't. Oh. And it looks to me as if it was an announcement after the announcement of the of the thousand euro uh, recognition payment was announced. Uh, the Taoiseach made this announcement the following morning when the pressure came on uh, at the government for for answers as to why other people were omitted that needs to be omitted. Sorry, they shouldn't have been omitted and and needs to be recognised and. Um, it looks to me as if he, he, he didn't, and obviously I, I don't know what mindset is within the, the government, but it was then that morning that he announced that there's a panel out to be announced. We uh, set up, we don't know who, the, I do certainly don't know who the panel is, and I'd like to know who the panel is, because the problem with panels and with all these advisory groups, there's sometimes a lot of uh, outside of the, uh, the ordinary people, remitting, do they understand the working of a home health on the ground, of a, care, a care, family care on the ground, and that's my worry, and I hope that uh, my worries will be allayed, that they will announce this week that they made a mistake, and that the home helps will be included. As I says, as I said earlier, they were exposed to extremely dangerous environments, and they certainly kept and their ma- And listen, at home call and a spade a spade. Many of them picked up COVID in the line of work, inside in the, in the homes, and they understood. Yeah. Unfortunately, going to homes sometimes there was COVID. Um, as I said, families weren't going to them homes. They, they continued their visits. They continued to bring food, make food, mind the person inside. That's what they do. That's their work. And no one knows what they do behind the scenes. In you know that you know bringing stuff to people and helping them. You know, even if it's the local newsletter, the local paper, just enough to keep the company and the chat and the you know and and and, and the work that they do to keep a person safe, keep a person healthy, and that's not being recognised here. Okay. And 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 that has to be changed. Uh, Avril, uh, wa- Avril wants to know: Do you know our clerical staff? who work in hospital settings, are they getting the bonus of €1,000? Well, from what I gathered, as nurses, paramedics, cleaners in hospitals, porters and ambulance staff. Frontline. That's what I've been told. No, yeah, I can't I... say. Uh, you know, there is a list if, if they go if they Google it. Uh, but that list might change uh, and we're hoping that's what we're... And that's what, this, that's what that's this panel do. Are there any other group of workers you think should be included? Well, look, the, the, talking to people, the artists and the pharmacies, the, you know, they're, they're there too, and they've been in contact with us as well, and contact with myself to see, um, like, was our work not valued? Is our work not valued? Because, like, in some situations, they'll say they get the, the, the bank holiday, but the bank holiday means they don't get bank holidays as such because they're working, you know, and they don't they won't get the benefit of that. So, they, like, you know, but I have to stand up and, and, and look at the home health has been at the forefront and the family carers has been at the forefront myself and you can't I can't pick every sector as such but certainly I have um sympathized and worked with them down through the years and they've been mistreated very, very much so Do you know it's it's like we're back we're back again, Michael, to the home helps. God there are one group of workers that have to fight for everything. They do and, and because sometimes I feel that they're just the ordinary person on the ground and you know, sometimes the ordinary people on the ground get forgotten. Uh Patricia and, and this is mainly women in the in the, in, the, in these jobs because that's what ninety nine percent of the home health are women, but it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man. They deserve a payment okay. that, that that recognition payment okay. and they deserve the respect. Respect is, is what's lacking here usually. But just finally, I mean there isn't a bottomless pit of money and at the end of the day all this money will have to be paid back. Do the government have to draw a line somewhere? They, yes, but why was the line? Why was there a difference between someone that was in a hospital caring for someone or someone that was in a home caring for someone? There can't be any difference as such. There's actually a huge praise owed to the home health for keeping people in their homes. And that's um, uh, they were able to keep people out of hospitals and, and thankfully were able to keep people clear of COVID. So like, they, they need to be praised and they need to be uh, recognised and, and, and part of this recognition payment, the same the same as those who were in the hospital setting doing the same thing. And, and they don't begrudge. And, that's, and no home health came to me saying the others shouldn't get it. They didn't begrudge anyone getting it. 
they were quite happy but they said respect mm. treat everybody equally that's okay. all we're at we had the famous mantra we're all in this together until it comes to, right. to, to a payment I just want to have you on the line uh, what are your views on this story out of Russia planning to conduct live ammunition drills 240 kilometres off the, off the core coast and it's within Ireland's exclusive economic zone yeah, I'm, I, I, I have serious concerns uh, off the south coast um, as well, which is our own uh, yeah. coastline as such. Um, I have serious concerns in relation to the fishing industry. What effect this will have on the fishing industry? And by God, it's well decimated as as, as we as we speak on other on other issues. But on this issue, I can't understand how the Russians have made a decision like this. I I not fully privy to what government movements have been done, but it, it, we've been um, uh, told that the that, that, uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, is in contact with counterparts in Russia. So hopefully in the days coming that some bit of common sense will apply here and this won't this won't go ahead, but it's, 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 a, it's a crazy situation. It's very, very worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Russians seem to have a mind of their own and, and, and don't seem to uh, listen to advice. So hopefully in this situation that... Um, Minister Kogi, who's well uh, recognised and well respected out there in Europe, will be able to uh, maybe convince the the, the, the Russians to to uh, have a change of mindset. But it is a worrying uh, worrying concern, especially for the fishing industry out there that are okay. in deep enough trouble as we stand. All uh, right, and and very finally, you didn't buy a Euro Millions ticket in Clonakilty or Dunmanway, no. I would, I would dearly love to. I was passing there. I was passing there several times over the weekend. But the only time I buy a lotto ticket is is when it was to the heights. It was a couple of weeks ago, and unfortunately, I didn't continue the trade and, and and do it a week later. But I didn't. Says you, I wouldn't be talking to you this morning if I did. I'd be on my way to Dublin to get me money. I know. I'd be telling you about my good looking heading to Dublin. <laughs> Listen, look after yourself, Michael. Thank you for that, thanks. and uh, thanks Thank for joining you. us. That is uh, West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins. A ban on using e-scooters on on footpaths and a reduced speed limit of 12 kilometres per hour were among proposals made by disability advocacy groups to the Oireachtas Transport Committee last week. One of those who worked on the submission was John Fulham of the Irish Wheelchair Association who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. And you, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Is e-scooter usage increasing all over the country? Certainly where I'm living, I'm seeing an awful lot of people on e-scooters. Is that reflected all over the country? It is, yeah. Like the, the presence of these scooters is, is has been growing, uh, and it continues to grow. And with the, and I suppose that's reflective of the the government bringing in legislation to make e scooters legal. Because at the moment they're they're not legal. So yeah, your experience would be consistent of what's going on around the country. And what sort of problems are they creating, especially for people with disability or mobility issues? I suppose the the main problems that 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 we would be concerned about are around their their use on the footpath, um, the speeds at which they're driven, and driver behaviour, and then when where they are they are being parked are are not parked, more abandoned, uh, if that is the case. And they they're the main concerns and and behaviours that we're seeing right now. And I know you were you were in at the Oireachtas Committee along with people like the National Council for the Blind, the Irish Guide Dogs. I mean, somebody with a visual impairment, some of these e-scooters, they're silent. You don't even hear them coming. Absolutely. And for someone who has a vision impairment and for someone who, who uses a guide dog, that's a key concern. So one of the key asks in the joint submission was that these, these scooters do have a, an audio sound uh, emitted that people can hear them. Um, because they can be quite startling at the best of times, but if you don't even know they're coming behind you, it's a real risk. 
Yeah, because I know whenever we bring up e-scooters on the programme, John, we inevitably will hear from one of our listeners. Normally, an elderly person or a family will get on to say that their elderly mother or father walking down a main street of a town, nearly knocked down by one of these whizzing past them. And the fright that, you know, an elderly person can get, they can stumble and fall. Oh, yes, absolutely. So that that, that is, the I suppose, the concern and the thrust behind why we have a joint submission that we did make into the department and then appeared before the Joint Oireachtas Committee. Um, it is around the, the behaviour, but it, it's recognising that they're coming they are going to be part of our landscape. So let's try and put in some controls and mitigants that, that we can that we can use to, to try and manage behaviour so people understand the the rules and, and what's expected of them as users of e-scooters, whereas at the moment there, there's a vacuum there and that there's nothing. You've mentioned this new road traffic bill where the use of e-scooters is going to be covered. It's amendments to that bill, is it? You're just not happy with it? It's it heading in the right direction, yeah. Well, the, the bill is putting the framework in place to legalise these scooters, but it's not. It has. It isn't putting in sufficient controls as far as we're concerned, and that's why we we've been lobbying quite extensively to try and influence at a practical level. Look, we welcome the fact that um, they're engaging with us, but the legislation hasn't prevented them being used on footpaths. They, the legislation hasn't taken in our recommendations about designated parking bays. And we know by the behaviour of bikes and parking of bikes and e-scooters and cars that this will just add another element to, to, to the abuse of, of footpaths and, and shared spaces. So um, that's what we're looking for. We're looking some for, for some practical implementations and amendments to the legislation to make this safe for everybody, users and pedestrians. And to, and to reduce the speed at which they travel. Absolutely. That, like, we need to bear in mind that these are not... Uh, are foot-powered e-scooters. These have, have batteries and, and higher speed capacities. So therefore, we're looking for lower speed limits. And particularly if, if they're going to be allowed on footpaths, which we're hoping the government will pr- prohibit, um, we need to have even lower speed limits uh, if that is the case. Because the, these are, are heavy objects that can be moving at speed if, if, not, if not driven correctly. So putting in place a restriction that people need to adhere to is, is one of our asks. It's up to about 20 kilometres an hour they can do, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. you'll understand that as technology progresses, the, 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 these things can go faster. Now, there are technologies in place that scheme providers, so e-scooters will be provided on a scheme basis, um, the same as bikes. And there are technologies that can limit the, the speed limits uh, on those scheme scooters, but they don't cater, and it, that doesn't exist in privately owned ones. So we need to cover off both. And then, have you a view on insurance, um, John? Because without insurance, who pays if somebody is injured in an accident, if you collide well, with somebody in an e-scooter? Well, therein lies, lies the, the question. And at the moment, we're also looking for insurance and a minimum age and that you would need to have a driver's licence or a provisional licence. I don't know if that will all be taken on board. But at the moment, if it's a scheme, um, the scheme owner would have to provide the insurance cover. But other than that, there is no insurance cover required so, so there's a there's a real gap and gaping hole in terms of liability as to who would cover you if you if you were adversely and unfortunately impacted by by one of these. Do you feel you got a good hearing at the Oireachtas Transport Committee last week? Yes, I do. I do feel we got a good hearing, and the proof will always be in the pudding. So now their recommendation is that we engage, uh, the Department of Transport engages with us to listen to our to our views and and hopefully take on board what we're saying. 
So I, I look, I, I hope and, and we do feel that there is is some progress. The committee most certainly were interested. We were there for three hours. So um, I, I hope the, the, the next step will be the engagement with the department and that some amendments will be put into the legislation. OK, I can see a number of texts and WhatsApps coming in from people saying well done on raising this uh, issue. Something has to be done about these e-scooters. Every time you step out onto a footpath, somebody seems to be flying along on an e-scooter. When is that legislation due to be passed, John? Well, it came to the, the, the Doyle before Christmas. Okay. It had the e-scooter, hadn't been reviewed by the committee, the e-scooter element of it, so it went back to committee. So your question, I'm, I'm not sure. I would say hopefully within the first half of this year, but um, you never no know date. Yeah. Go, but there's no date around that. But I would okay. be hopeful it would be earlier. All right, John, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is John Fulham, who is Public Engagement Manager with the Irish Wheelchair Association. And it was the National Council for the Blind and the Irish Guide Dogs were the other two advocacy groups that attended that Oireachtas Transport Committee, just to highlight the dangers and their worries around e-scooters, particularly e-scooter use on footpaths. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a listener wants to know who got kicked out of Dancing with the Stars last night. It was the first to go, always the toughest, isn't it? And it was the author, Cathy Kelly, was the first to go. Uh, Michael in Castletown Bear said, if you watched Dancing with the Stars last night, what a performance by Nina Carberry. Flawless. Her elegance was something else and she most certainly has the step. Others, I would question. I said it after the first show, my money is on Nina to win. You can see, and then Michael has sent on from, I think it's Paddy Power, one of the bookmakers. The bet the odds at the moment, uh, the odds for Nina is 6-4 with the bookies. That's where the money is going. Not that it will mean a thing to Nina, says uh, Michael, only getting only getting over the finish line. And you certainly can see the competitive edge of Nina Carberry and also the other young girl, the Paralympian, Elaine Keane. I think whenever sports people go into these type of talent competitions, you can see there the competitive edge of being a professional sports person certainly comes straight to the surface. You can absolutely see it. And I think Nina Carberry, has, I think after, after her first dance, was it two weeks ago, people were saying, pardon the pun, that she was the dark horse, but she was, yeah, I thought she was uh, flawless last night. And that girl who, in the leaderboard, um, Erica Cody, she's a singer. She was excellent as well. Anyway, but I digress. It's, it's Cathy Keddy was the first to go. OK, some of your thoughts into the programme. Can I do on Home Helps? Because we mentioned Home Helps when we were speaking with West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins because Home Helps are very, very upset. And I think rightly so, that when they're talking about the €1,000 pandemic bonus payment to frontline health care workers and nobody begrudges any of the people who work so hard in the hospitals nobody begrudges them the money but Home Helps equally worked as hard and in many cases they were dealing with COVID patients and in many cases they worked so hard to keep patients COVID free so that they didn't end up in the hospital but they were certainly at the cold face of it Margaret was on to us and uh, she's on on a slightly different issue she says but when but on about Home Helps but not really to do with COVID but she says when you watch TV ads for home help services you know when they're encouraging people to go with some kind of a private company that offers home helps she said I think says Margaret that they give the totally wrong impression I've worked as a home help for many many years and many of the patients that I attend to are bed bound and many others will have very limited mobility some of the ads 
that you see. You'll spot the home help walking in, chatting away with the person, making tea, playing a game of cards and everything looks rosy and it's as if they're going into the house just to keep the person uh, company. Nothing could be further from the truth, the amount of work that home helps do and that's a very valid point uh, indeed. Uh, you are right and they do project a very different image to what the reality is uh, like. Uh, hi Patricia, I worked right throughout the pandemic as a carer. Two of my clients tested positive for COVID-19 and unfortunately both passed away. My pay was €11 an hour. And by the way, I didn't get travelling expenses to go from one house to the next house. So I don't understand how we're not entitled to this pandemic bonus. I didn't see my mother who who was in her late 80s. I didn't see her for months on months. Why? Because I was afraid of bringing anything into her house and passing COVID on to her. We haven't been mentioned at all. It really makes me angry. Well, yeah, that's why the fight is on. And this panel that the department, that the Taoiseach has put into the Department of Health. And it's because we got onto the HSE when this story first broke last Friday to say, would home helps and home carers be included? And they said, nothing to do with us. You need to go into the Department of Health. And the department, and then we subsequently discovered that the Taoiseach obviously has been lobbied and all TDs all over the country have been lobbied by a whole host of different groups as to why they should be included in the pandemic bonus. But I think coming out to the fore certainly are the home helps and the home carers. And that's why, you know, the like of Michael Collins and other TDs are lobbying hard. So I know you feel when you say we haven't been mentioned, you haven't been mentioned yet for the payment, but there's certainly a lot of work going on in the background and a lot of people fighting hard to try to get that money for uh, home help. So let's keep our fingers crossed and keep a close eye on this uh, story. 0818103103 Staying with television, Patricia, what do you think of Smother? Uh, what is going to happen? This is the programme on RTE. It was on last night at half nine. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely uh, loving it. I loved the first series as well and then I know when it came back on, yeah, we almost had to be reminded of what had happened in the first series. We'd kind of forgotten about it. I think it's uh, gripping. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and, and I'm normally, I'm not very good at, you know, the guessing. You know, people, oh, I saw that coming. I'm really not any good at that. I don't think I, I don't think I look deep enough into some of these programmes. But I, at this stage, don't have a clue about what's going on either but am I enjoying it? Absolutely I'm enjoying it. Now people nervous about the lifting of restrictions we're getting in a number of calls and uh, texts in on uh, this. This is our who signs himself as the North Cork the North Cork man living in Germany who listens to us line says good morning Patricia uh, hope you're good uh, I'm, I'm seeing now from what I'm reading online and hearing you seem to be free of COVID in Ireland well it's what the government must be seeing uh, because the rest of the world are not seeing it they've lifted all of the COVID restrictions oh my God what is going on there's still over 10,000 cases a day but they've decided to lift everything open up bars allow discos to open have the full complement at concerts and sports stadiums etc and then and are they saying no more COVID Uh, are they saying no more COVID and then they've also decided to get rid of the COVID pass especially in places like pubs and bars and uh, restaurants you'll now go into a bar and restaurant and you won't know who's been vaccinated and who has not and then there's plans for a four day bank holiday over the St. Patrick's Day weekend oh my god I'm very sorry to say but I feel that this will all backfire in the government and a small spoiler here I can see a lockdown alert coming from Easter on the fifth wave will be on 
again. Sorry for all the negativity. Your North Cork man living in Germany, who, by the way, has had two vaccines and a booster and I'm now recovering from COVID. So Ireland, please be very, very careful thanking uh, you. Sorry to hear that you picked up COVID. Hopefully you are doing okay. Uh, hang in there. But, you know, the government, I know you're, you're, you're pointing all the finger blame at the government. The government moved and reacted on the letter based from Tony Houlihan. And that was the letter that was agreed following the Neffet meeting. And Neffet are the experts. And, you know, we've always been told we need to listen to the experts on this. And they were the ones telling the government. The government themselves were taken aback when the letter arrived on Thursday evening because they weren't expecting Neffet to say you can lift practically all of the restrictions. So they're going by uh, Neffet. And all we can do at this stage is trust the experts. Hi, Patricia. I welcome the removal of the COVID restrictions and hope that the elderly and that the vulnerable will be confident about it. I'm 40 and I am anxious. Not about catching COVID, but just about the change, the childcare, the travel, etc. I hope the government allow a good blended system going forward. Some of my job involves computer work. So it makes no sense to me to have to drive 30 kilometres to the office to sit and type all day and then get back in the car and drive 30 kilometres home again. Our small towns and villages are flourishing since we're not spending all of our time in the major cities. A balance is necessary, thanking uh, you. And of course, it's from today that the return to work can be done on a staggered basis and it obviously is going to be up into into each individual uh, company. We still don't have the legislation yet which will allow people the right to work from home. I really think that they need to get moving on that. Will there be a lot of conversations? Will there be a lot of awkward conversations? I think there will. I think you're going to have somebody just like you who for the last two years have obviously been doing the job very well from home and you know as well as you've done it in the office and what you're looking for is for some kind of a blended system hopefully fingers crossed I really am hopeful that that's exactly what companies will do they'll see the benefit of their workers and you know there's a lot of talk about the the great resignation so many people have used the pandemic as an opportunity to look at their lives. Many people have looked at their lives they're not happy with the job they were in. They certainly weren't happy with all the commuting they would do and you know with the great resignation people are moving to different jobs and employers are very aware of that. Employers I think will be fighting tooth and nail to hang on to good staff and I think the only way they're going to be able to do that is to listen to their employees and see what works for their employees so hopefully I don't know what company you're working for but I really do hope that you've got a company that will listen to you and will allow you that blended working week and you are right small towns small villages have really gained by having workers around but the downside to that is that a lot of city centre businesses really really have been affected and then other people are are just really nervous about it all you know somebody wants to go to an event that's happening next weekend I'd love to go but are just too nervous about it and says Patricia the government have thrown the vulnerable under the bus when they reopened all at once especially removing COVID certificates going into hospitality how can they talk about removing face masks in a number of weeks. COVID is very much still in this country. I will not set foot into hospitality until COVID numbers are well down and that's from Anne. Summing up what a lot of people are saying who are still very nervous about all of this. 
And I heard an interesting piece from a consultant uh, psychiatrist at Tallow University Hospital, a gentleman by the name of his professor, Brendan Kelly. And he was speaking about the reopening of society and he was saying that it is very positive and that we all collectively now start needing to take a step forward. But he did say there are people who need to readjust to these changes and people need to readjust to them at their own pace. Like he was saying, you know, there's been so much talk over the weekend about nightclubs being opened. I saw lots of video footage of crowded pubs and restaurants. And he said, that's all really positive. It's good. Society needs to move on. We need to learn to live with uh, COVID. But he did acknowledge and accept that for a lot of people, there are several steps behind. They're very anxious about going into like that, a crowded pub or a night club or a restaurant or into a concert uh, setting and they are the ones like Anne and others who have contacted us who are worried about the easing of the restrictions and his advice is for those people the key is is to take take the next step it is important that you get out into the big beautiful world that's out there it mightn't involve you going to a nightclub or to a busy uh, pub but it might involve you say going to shops a little bit more than you have been doing it might involve you meeting up with people that perhaps you haven't met up with in quite some time it might involve you inviting people to your house to come and visit or you go visit a friend in their house you know something that we haven't uh, been doing and Professor Kelly said that people who are anxious may want to continue using face coverings for example even if it's not required in certain places and he said that's fine do that but he is encouraging people you need to get out there take the extra step to get back to some kind of normality but do it at your own pace and put in place anything that you feel you need to make you more safer and to feel more uh, comfortable and he also went on to urge tolerance and respect for those who may not be as ready as others to get back into normal and he said some people will be hesitant, some people will be very eager but he's he said there will be different paces for returning to normal for everyone. I mean, you could see the people that were very eager at the weekend. There was people who rushed out and were out having a jolly good time on all day Saturday and well into a Saturday night. And that's fine for them and for others. Still too nervous, still too anxious. So the key is to try to do it at your own pace. 0818 jobs. Connick Hitchy Park Hotel, they've got vacancies for food and beverage assistance, senior bar person and a fitness and gym instructor. Email mcarolyn at connickhiltyparkhotel.ie. Cook and canteen and deli staff are all required for part-time hours. No nights are weekends. It's in the Bandon and Fomoy areas. You email kccateringcork at hotmail.com. A loans officer is required for the credit union Skibbereen or Bandon. A minimum of three years' experience in a lending role is necessary. CVs, please, to Cathy at accesscu.ie by Friday, the 28th of January. And experienced shuttering carpenters are wanted. This is for work in Cork City. Pascal is your contact at 087 2317257. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is 
C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And a lot of texts and WhatsApps and I will get back to them, I promise you, to, during the programme. But one I've just spotted in from Mary. Say hi Patricia, hope you're well. I am indeed. Uh, just to say I received a Christmas card in the post today. It was posted in Carrigaline on the 15th of December and it arrived to me here in Mitchellstown today. What's today? day the 24th of January and Mary said it was actually a novelty to be getting Christmas greetings at the end of uh, January are you going to put the card up now Mary or, or has it gone straight into the recycling bin I wonder thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 now Una Ring from y'all has welcomed the introduction of new harassment protection laws in Ireland that will cover the crime of stalking Una knows only too well the effect that stalking can have after she was subjected to a terrifying ordeal after a former work colleague became obsessed with her and uh, Una Ring has taken time out to talk to us uh, today. Uh, good morning to you, Una. Good morning, Patricia. And, Thanks uh, for having me well, on again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, do you feel this is long, long overdue legislation? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, what they have, the, the harassment um, legislation is, is all well and good, but it doesn't cover the the crime of stalking, you know, because... Um, it's just it's just not strict enough, really. So we're having a meeting. Myself and Eve are going to Dublin tomorrow. We're having a meeting with the Minister for Justice tomorrow evening um, just to finalise the draft of the, the bill and she's going to have it published then before Easter. It's fantastic, really, that yourself and Eve, both victims of stalking, are really being listened to when it comes to the wording of this legislation. It is, and but like I feel it's so important that we are because where the victims of it, you know, um, other people who haven't been through it can't really, I, I'd feel they can't draft the bill properly because they don't know enough about the feeling and the aftermath of it, you know. So, it, I mean, it is absolutely great that they are listening to us and um, and that we're, we're drafting it the way we want to draft it. Yeah, you've got the lived, lived, unfortunately, you've got the lived experience. And it was only, Una, when you were going through it that you realised it wasn't a criminal offence. Oh yeah, it was only, like I googled it and there was nothing, there was absolutely no Irish help, there was no Irish website, there was no Irish law actually um, on stalking. So myself and Eve, um, after my my court case there last, it's not even a year yet, it'll be a year in February, um, we decided that we wanted to set up a website first and foremost to help people because there was nothing online. Um, so we have that set up now, um, stalking.ie. It's actually very informative. It's just how to report it and even for families, how to support somebody who's going through it. Um, so that like, that was the first thing. That was the main thing we wanted to do, actually. And then Lisa Chambers contacted us about the legislation. And, um, yeah, we were like, yeah, we, we, we need to change it because I had just assumed that there was a law against it. But I, I was horrified when I found out there wasn't, you know. And there has been so much talk about gender-based violence, I mean, particularly since the dreadful murder of Ashleen Murphy. Laws like this, Una, are needed now more than ever. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're all, they're antiquated at this stage. They're, they're outdated. At the time, they were written by men for men. And, you know, it's, they're, they're just very badly, badly needed. With the, and they just need a, a female perspective. You know, and I'm not saying that you know what's there is is wrong as such it was right for the time that they were made but the times have moved on now and 
the laws haven't moved on with them, you know. So I think it's very, very important that that the laws are updated to, to meet today's needs. And when you look back in your own case, the local Gardaí took your worries very seriously. Do, yeah. Were you lucky, do you think, that you had Gardaí that listened to you and took you seriously? Lucky that I had Gardaí that listened to me. I think it was lucky than y'all um, because I, I think if I had been anywhere else, I, I don't think it would have happened, you know. I mean, from the outset, they were very, it took me very but they were very professional and they were very careful in the way they handled the case as well so that when it did go to, to, to court that they had all their ducks in a row and that there wasn't a loophole but every single one of them that I met was they were empathetic they were professional um, they were sensitive they like they were the best bunch of people I, I could have met and to be perfectly honest I wouldn't have gotten through without them because I found it so incredibly difficult that if they had treated me less than how they treated me, I don't think I'd have coped. But they all went above and beyond. Like, they, they gave me their own mobile numbers and to ring them if I heard anything during the night and they'd be up. Like, they, they really went above and beyond and I'd, I'd forever be grateful to them, really, you know. That's incredible. That's really incredible. And to anyone listening, Una, who may be a victim of stalking right now, you need to report it and, you, and, and not just hope it'll go away, it'll stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is 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 and I I've said it before is just trust your gut. If if you feel something is really wrong, you really do need to report it, you know, and insist on the statement we made. It's not like I was lucky in that the minute I went in, they took my statement and they they took me very seriously. But that's not unfortunately that's not always the case. So just insist on having having a statement made, having a report made, because. If you have it on file and something does happen down the line, then you have a far better chance of a prosecution and you have a far better chance of being being saved, I suppose, really, you mm. know, because, I mean, your safety is paramount. And if these people were OK, they wouldn't be doing it in the first place. So you, you can't say, oh, they're just harmless, because if they were just harmless, they wouldn't be doing it, you know. So I would be very adamant that, that if, if you go to the guard station and they kind of fob you off, just say I want to speak to somebody else, I want to speak to a female guard, I want to speak to a sergeant just make sure your your, your story is heard and that is put down on paper and it's filed away um, but sometimes unfortunately that's the way the word and you, you do have to insist on, on being listened to, you know I was lucky in that I didn't but I know of other people who who really weren't listened to, you know Now your uh, stalker was jailed for, for five years was that enough, in your opinion? Does that need to be looked at? Well, definitely, because he was actually sentenced to nine years. Um, there was two taken off for good behaviour, but that brought it to seven. There was two suspended, that brought it to five. But he's actually going to be released in 2024, which is only two years now. Like, he will have served three. So he was sentenced to nine, he'll serve three. So he'll serve a third of a sentence. And that's actually very devastating, because when I heard the nine years... Like, my heart jumped for joy. And then when I found out that he'll serve three, like, it's very demoralising, you know? Can you ever forgive him? Nah, not at all. Not at all, never. And I know there's all this... And I know everybody's different, but people are saying, oh, the road to recovery starts with forgiveness. It doesn't. You don't have to forgive somebody to move on, you know? And I won't forgive him. And do you know what? I may or may not have if he hadn't brought my daughter into it, but... And he threatened to rape her. 
you can't you can't forgive that. that was and I and I never will. It's like not forgiving him doesn't hold me back. Yeah. I just won't forgive him. And how are how are you doing, Una? I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe that it's only, it's, you say it's coming up to next month, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's been, it's been a very, very busy year, which is very good. And we have been working, like myself and you were working really, really hard on the website first for a couple of months. And then we were working on the legislation for a couple of months. Like we put our hearts and souls into both. So like we have been extremely busy, which is good because even though it, it's not taking your mind off it to a certain degree because what you're doing is what you went through. But it's just, you you, you feel you're doing it for the good of others, you know, and it can be very, very, very therapeutic, really. Okay, and your website is stalker, stalking.ie? Yeah, yeah, stalking.ie. Okay. And there's a petition on it as well for, for people to find about getting the laws changed. Okay. But, um, it, it is very informative and it is how to report, how to spot stalking and families how to support a family member who's being stalked because like they're all very important points and none of that was there when I was going through it you know so like it is a very it's very informative Well you're doing you're doing incredible work and it's work that will pay off into the future for so in, in yeah. keeping others uh, safe Pleasure yeah, as always to talk much. to you Una Stay safe Thanks very much Thanks Chris. for joining us God bless Bye 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 bye, bye. That is uh, Una Ring uh, joining us from uh, y'all in advance of the introduction of that new harassment protection laws which covers the crime of stalking. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking the calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now as we get closer to this year's state exams, thoughts turn to third level choices with all the advice our career guidance expert uh, Roisin Kelleher. Good morning to you Roisin. Good morning Patricia. Firstly are you feeling for the class of 2022 many looking for this hybrid uh, exam and still there seems to be confusion as to what exactly is happening with the exam. Uh, Do you feel for them? Yes I certainly do because I work with so many of the students who have not just been impacted since they've gone back to school this September but from last year as well. So there has been a knock-on effect with regard to their schooling. And it has been very stressful on them. One has to acknowledge that. So what are you saying to them? Just keep your head down, stay focused, keep studying. Yes, absolutely. And hope for the best. But very, very importantly, look at the alternatives. And if the career guidance was never important, was it ever so important as now? I mean, the young person that you had on last week, I think it was on Friday, who spoke so eloquently, <laughs> who you said might be a future barrister, and yeah, yeah. he may be. And he did point out the course that he was looking for was, you know, something in the high up into the 500s, the mid 500s. Of course, that's the fact. And it has gone up alarmingly, not just since last year, but from the year before 2019. But like a person like that, of course, they would be very upset because the course they're looking for, maybe a local college and all of that. And it, you know, it appears to be out of their grasp. But they must look at the alternative and break it down and see, well, if you mightn't be able to do the loan business, unfortunately, can you do it in another location, which you could. But again, that's an issue of a person because, of course, there's accommodation issues. Mm. But however, it would be available in other locations throughout the country. Or perhaps the person might take one part of it, do the business and add on the law or vice versa. So this is where the career guidance 
has become hugely important. Yeah, it's 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 exactly as you say, it's looking at the alternatives. OK, some key dates now we're coming up to. Uh, 1st of February, which is uh, next week. Now, what do students need to keep in mind in advance of that date, the 1st of February? Well, the first thing would be that they're registered. And, and very many of the students have already registered, so that's grand. But even if they haven't, they can still register with a late fee. But I think, in fairness, most students do register by the 1st of February. Now, what's in particularly important, of course, would be the students who are applying for restricted courses. That would be for those other elements besides the Leaving Cert points itself. I mean, an obvious one would be medicine with a H-pass or indeed the courses associated with uh, creative areas of music and art. And many of those programmes, they need something additional. So they must input them down by the 1st of February. But the other courses, they have until the 1st of July. And they can put in courses, take out courses, and change the order of the courses. So it's very important not to feel panicky about it. And I mean, that has always been the way with the CAO and the choices, because you see, students can change levels on courses, and that could affect an, uh, an important entry requirement, or they might um, just drop a course, or indeed, of course, unfortunately, in an exam situation, it may not be successful for them. So they have to look at all those issues and even the results that they will get from the pre's that will be coming up rather shortly now as well. So all those decisions are still there. And of course, very importantly in this time, research. Yeah, now, now is the time to ma- and to make sure that the course you're applying for is exactly the course that you want to do. Exactly. And look at the other avenues as well. And if the points are very high, which undoubtedly there's no argument about it, of course they're very high and they may go up higher again this year. But look to see how can I get into that course. Don't give up on the dream. Look to see the post leaving Cert programmes, the level fives and six. Look at the wonderful links that there are where they can progress from a moderate type leaving cert and go from there on in to higher education if they wish. They don't have to. The level five and six are very good course programmes in their own right that can lead to uh, job opportunities. And of course, the apprenticeships. Look at the children. There's been a big push. Yeah, there's been a big push to try to get more people involved in apprenticeships. I think we've we've gone through a period of time in this country where parents seem to be all focused on getting their child into third level education and getting a degree or whatever and we've almost turned our backs on apprenticeships but it's been pointed out by somebody on this programme recently, somebody who takes on an apprenticeship and qualifies could actually be earning more money than Johnny, his next door neighbour who went off and got a four year degree in uh, college and there's a lot of work out there Hasn't it taken them a while to realise that? Yeah. But the thing is, this year on the CAO uh, website, there are the links to the post leaving Cert courses and the apprenticeship. That's the first, is it? That's the first time that yeah. there's reference to it. Now, they can't apply on the CAO website, so to be careful about that. But I, I understand, I believe, next year that will be the case. Brilliant. But it's, it's just to draw attention that when they are in the C, and when they're on the CAO website, when they looked on, because it's on the front page, the home page on it, that, look, there's apprenticeships and there's post-leaving certs and a link. And that will bring them directly into those big main websites. 
where they'll get all the information. And the post, the, the post yes. leaving cert courses that, that you mentioned, people yes. also must uh, keep in mind, you can go progress from a post leaving cert course yes. onto yes. something that you mightn't have got straight after your leaving cert, but will eventually get to do of whatever course. it was. Yeah. And it overcomes an essential entry requirement as well if they do well on the post leaving cert course. So, th- you know, there's absolute hope for great opportunities. Just one thing with the apprenticeships, of course, Patricia, they must have a sponsor. You see, this is the thing. If you're going to go on an apprenticeship, it's not quite the same as just putting down, we say, business studies or arts or whatever it would be in such and such a college. Uh, They can put down all of that, but they must, first of all, acquire a sponsor. And that can be a stumbling block for some people because where are we going to get a sponsor? But, now, if when they go onto the apprenticeship website, there's a helpline there that will help them to try and get a sponsor. Or indeed, if they ring the con- uh, make contact to the local ETB, they will also help. Now, they will do within reason what they can do for them. But at the same time, if a person is interested in a particular uh, apprenticeship, then at local level to check to see, is there somebody out there that might be prepared to take them on? And there also is a list of uh, possible persons that would take on apprenticeships. Again, this is being developed because it's still rather new, I suppose. But it, nevertheless, it is there. So there is help for it. So that's just the one thing with the apprenticeships. It's still necessary to get a sponsor. Okay. Because that's what apprenticeship is. Keep, keep that in it's mind. It's learning on the job and it's also learning with the theory. But remember, there are two courses in there and they just haven't been there this year. They've been there now for some years. One is the insurance and one is the other one in the recruitment. And a person can apply for them, having got their sponsor, and they will help you to get the sponsor. And then you go on to this particular program and you can be trained up and educated to get a level eight degree, the same as any from any other college. And they are trained on the job. They're paid when they're on the job. And what I mean by pay I mean, you're talking about anything between 20,000, 24,000 a year to be paid while you're trained. Earn as you learn. That's their slogan and is correct. But of course, uh, so they spend maybe perhaps four days learning on the job. And then the fifth day would be where they would be online to the college that is linked into that, where they would learn the theory of that particular whatever it is. discipline, the insurance or whatever. Okay. And I expect this model will increase in the future. Now, for some people, that is absolutely fantastic. It's a gold bar. Well, I think the think? advantage of getting paid while, while you're learning and training is, yeah. has got to be a plus. And what about colleges then outside of Ireland? Are they still, they're, they're still available. People go to the UK and people go to mainland Europe as well. Yes, of course they are. Now, for some, it's still relatively, you know, they, they have to think seriously about that and moving away from home, especially very young students. But of course, that is an option. So the UCAS has its closing date on the 26th of January. Now, of course, with the UCAS, they have to be careful filling out the form. It's much more detailed than what's involved in the CAO. So they have to make a personal statement. It's got to be signed off by somebody in school. And, you know, it takes a bit more time. But it's very important as well with the UCAS, because in, in, well, more recently since Brexit, it's not quite as popular in the UK because of the fees. But in the north of Ireland, our students here in the Republic of Ireland are treated the same as students from the north of Ireland. So they don't have to pay the very high fees that would be expected in the UK, UK mainland. 
as in England, Scotland, Wales. So there are great opportunities for students if they were to consider Queen's University Belfast or UU University of Ulster. They, they, they've got wonderful programmes and it's still on the island of Ireland. And it's another option. I've, I've got a friend of mine whose daughter has gone to do uh, veterinary training in Poland, getting yes. on absolutely fantastic. And of course, it's in the EU, so she's classed the That's very right. same as and, if she's studying in Ireland. And grants and everything, uh, everything um, apply. OK, your mind of information, as always, we'll have you on again as more uh, dates uh, come closer to us. But the important thing is get the research done, folks. And, and look at look at all the options. options. Look at all yeah. the Don't be closed minded and think I can only go to one college. Absolutely. Have an open approach on it. But also check if you're going away from at local level what the accommodation issue is and what the costs are. Yeah. So they must look at the full the full situation. For some they might defer for a year until they know fully what they will do. But I would say to stay as positive as possible, keep a very open approach, seek help and check out all the details all the electives, all the researching really thoroughly what's involved in the course and hope to keep a very positive, confident approach and seek help if one needs it. Okay, Roisin, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is uh, Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance expert. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Somebody was asking, is bingo on in Kilbrin tonight? Uh, it's not. Bingo, though, I'm told, returns to Kilbrin next Monday night, which is the 31st of January. And is it only me? But isn't it great to see the back of January? I just It's one of those months of the year I just absolutely hate. <laughs> love to see January gone. And we're nearly at the end of it. So... Bingo next Monday night in Kilbrin, but it's not on tonight. That then prompted Maureen to get on and say, to say, does anybody know if bingo is on in Ballinine and Eskeen? Any bingo on in Ballinine and Eskeen? If you can help us with that, you can give John Paul a call 0818103103. And Faye in Ballancolic was on wondering, did anybody find, find she, she lost a silver delicate chain with a pendant? It has got gold around it and there's coloured stones on it and she lost it over the weekend. So if anyone was out and about in Balancolic, did you come across a very delicate chain with, with coloured stones on the pendant? If that rings a bell, would you give us a call here and we can put you in contact with uh, Faye in Balancolic who would love to get it back. Now, a slew of calls and texts in. Let's, let me see. Can I get through as many of them as I can? Firstly, is there any... Anne, Anne was on to us on our Facebook Messenger having a go with me to say just listening to Patricia there this was at the start of the programme giving the impression that masks are now a personal responsibility masks are still required everywhere that they were required previously please check the government information and correct same says Anne Okay and what I was talking about was when I had Michael O'Donovan on of the Fitness Federation of Ireland they've changed the rules around mask wearing if you're going into a pub if you're going into a restaurant if you're going into a nightclub you don't have to wear the masks we were talking then about personal responsibility some people still feeling a bit anxious about it and that's what I was saying feel free if you feel happier going into a restaurant or a bar wearing a mask then that's your own uh, personal choice but you are right mask wearing still remains in uh, place in most of the settings that it has already remained in place except now in bars, restaurants and nightclubs on public transport, taxis train stations, airports, ports you need to wear your mask all of the retail premises, your shopping centres it includes libraries, cinemas, theatres museums, post offices and banks 
public offices, premises providing specific services, hairdressing salons, barbershops, travel agents, laundries, dry cleaners, bookmark, bookmakers, the list goes on. Still need to wear a mask there. And for those working in food and beverage, i.e. the people working in the cafes, the bars and the restaurants, if they are in a customer facing role, they uh, must wear masks as well. But for the general public going into bars and restaurants, so that's what I was talking about. I wasn't saying that masks were gone everywhere else. They're not. You still very much need to uh, wear them. Uh, Annie in McCroom went to Killarney to the Cork match at the weekend. And she said, even though the result didn't go our way, it was great to be out at a GAA match again. However, says our Annie, she was leaving the ground and she was wearing a mask she didn't have to wear a mask, but she what felt happier, more comfortable wearing a mask. And she said, this man, she didn't know him, approached her and says, why are you wearing a mask? She, you know, she said, moved on. Then they went into a bar and again, you didn't have to wear the The rules have been changed. You didn't have to wear a mask inside in a bar. But our Annie felt more comfortable wearing a mask. So she put her mask on as she went into the bar and as she was sitting down and obviously when she had her drink or something to eat, whatever, she, she took it off. But she said, as she was going into the bar and... To, to be seated another person came over to her and said what are you doing wearing that mask you don't need to wear masks anymore why are you wearing it and, and he said it got her thinking and she said why are these people so obsessed about the fact that I'm wearing a mask and Annie said she doesn't want to be crude here she said but if I decide to go out and decide not to wear knickers would they be so worried about it and he said at the end of the day, she said, it's my personal choice. And she's wondering now what has gotten into people since COVID, the idea that they have the right to tell somebody else how to act or how not to act. And she said, obviously, these people had an issue about the wearing of masks. I said, that's fine. That's their issue. But she said, don't be harassing me and don't be harassing anybody else who wants to wear a mask. She said, it's my business whether I want to wear one and no one else's. And well said, Annie. And you're right. If you want to go out with no knickers on, it's your choice. It's no one else's. And it's the same with the wearing of a mask. So uh, good on you. And that's what I did say earlier to people. We need to be tolerant of other people, particularly other people who are not so anxious about heading out into the big, beautiful world that is out there. And more than anything, We need to be kind. And if somebody wants to wear a mask in a place where masks are not, you don't have to wear masks, then it's that person's individual choice to wear it. Now, it's different if you're required to wear a mask by law, which I mentioned, all the places where you are required to wear a mask and you don't wear one, then absolutely you could be challenged as to why you're not wearing it. You can, of course, have an exemption and that's fine if you can prove your exemption. But if you haven't got an exemption, you still need to wear masks in all of the places that I just uh, mentioned. But glad to know that you enjoyed being out of the match. Actually, let me just stay on the match for a moment because I got an email in as well from Maria to say hi, myself and my husband and two children. Now, the two children are small. He's a four-year-old and a five-year-old. We went to the Cork-Kerry game on Saturday. And like Annie, unfortunately, the match didn't live up to what we had hoped. But we were going to a match and looking forward to the day out. But there was also a sting in the tail for our Maria. Her two children, a four-year-old and a five-year-old, were charged to go into the match. And Maria said, that has left a sour taste in my mouth. I feel that the GAA are now trying to recoup some of the money that they've lost 
over the last two years of COVID restrictions on the numbers allowed at GAA games. As a big GAA fan, I feel that they need to look at this and to try to bring GAA back to its roots by allowing children into matches for free. And wasn't that always the way the child would be lifted over the turnstile I went in on? Mam or dad's shoulders or whatever, but charging a four and a five-year-old, whatever about teenagers, maybe they can have an argument for it, but to be charging a four and a five-year-old, I can understand why that would leave a bitter taste in your mouth, Maria, for sure. People's thoughts welcomed on that, 0818103103. Is Maria right? Are the GAA trying to recoup some of their losses? 0862103103. Number of people then on about working from home. Mike in Clonakilty says, I really do hope that offices look at this hybrid model of working as I work between the two cities of Cork and Limerick. I've left to come back home to Clonakilty in West Cork. I used to live just outside Cork City and then I'd commute between the two cities, some days in Limerick, some days in uh, Cork City because that's what my job uh, involved. But now that I've moved back home to Clon. Uh, I really would love to continue working the way I am working. The thought now of having to start commuting to either Cork or Limerick uh, City would put me under immense pressure. And Trish was on about working from home, said we don't need all those cars on the roads either. So a hybrid system would work very well when it comes to carbon emissions. Also, when it comes to childcare, it could save parents a lot of money and a lot of problems. And I heard of parents who have been able to work from home. One of the pluses is they might be able to nip out during the day to maybe do the school run to pick children up from school and then get back into uh, working and still do the same amount of work. But it gives a little bit of flexibility if you are working from home. And then a couple of people have been on about some of the negative texts that we've had into the programme this morning about people complaining about the opening up of society. Mike and Skib says, Patricia, you should stop reading out the negative texts. If people are worried about heading out, now the restrictions have been lifted, tell them to stay at home. People got vaccinated and have a choice. It is their personal choice now whether they want to go out or not. And Alison in Carrigaline thought the North Cork gentleman who regularly listens to us in Germany, listens online, regular WhatsApp or to the programme. She thought that his comments were particularly uh, negative. And she said, while I wish the North Cork man in Germany all the very best as, he's, as he recovers from uh, COVID, please tell him that he doesn't need to be scaremongering. Ireland needs to learn to live with COVID. We don't need to be listening to people like him in a different country over in Germany saying we're heading back into lockdown. And I agree with you, uh, Patricia, as you said at the end when you read out his comment, people need to do it at their own pace. No one is forcing anyone to go out into a nightclub or to a bar or to a a restaurant. You only go if you want to go and you feel comfortable about it. That's from Alison in Carrigaline. Connor in Maddows says, let's hope people will be happy again. I work in retail and the last two years, believe me, says Connor, has been very tough, particularly with angry customers. Hopefully with everything reopening now, people will just start learning to be kind again and not to be complaining so much. We've had so many complaints over the last two years and that's really unfortunate to people inside in shops and in supermarkets and any kind of a retail outlet. Actually, I've noticed that in the last, certainly in the last year, the amount of signs now that have gone up in supermarkets. You know when you're standing, queuing up to at the checkout and you'll see a sign asking people not to abuse the staff. You're thinking, God almighty, these people are there and, and they kept supermarkets open. They kept the shelves stocked so that we all had food 
and everything, all the other provisions that we needed. And to think that they were getting abused while at the checkout or inside in a shop or a supermarket is just beyond me. I can't understand it. And I know we all get angry and we all get bad days, but please don't take it out on somebody who's working inside in a shop or a supermarket. And sometimes people working in those shops can be earning a minimum wage. I mean, only last last Friday when we were talking about the pandemic payment, somebody made brought up that issue. Somebody who's worked right throughout in a small shop, right throughout the pandemic and works for minimum wage and said if the shop had closed, they'd be getting more money on the pandemic payment than what they were getting for going into work and the abuse they were getting. Uh, Just the mind boggles, the mind boggles. So well said, Colm. Connor in Mallow and thank you for sending that in to remind me for people to be kind please be kind and a couple of people were on about Smother that programme that's on RTE lots of people enjoying it Liz in Mitchestown says I absolutely love Smother and isn't it great to have an Irish drama like this we watch so many of them from all over the world I'm hooked says Liz and I particularly love Dervila Kerwin yeah she's brilliant in it and Carrie Crowley who I had to Google last night because I'm still, I need to go back and watch the first series again because I keep trying to remember who's who. And I had to remind myself who, what was the relationship between Carrie Crowley's character and Dervla Kerwin's character and their sisters. I had to remind myself of that last night. But Carrie Crowley, when I was Googling her then, I was thinking, cause she, she started out actually in radio in, in WLR in Waterford. Then she went on to TV. She's done a lot of acting roles. And I also remember her on the, remember she was stunning. She did, she presented one of our many Eurovision song contests as well. I think she was, she was Ronan Keating during the Eurovision. I'm sure she was. And Ian in Skibbereen says, uh, Patricia, don't forget when you're talking about Smother and when you're really enjoying it, don't forget that Smother was written by a lady from Bantry. Of course it was. It was written by Kate O. Reardon and it's a fantastic show from start to finish. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. This sounds very interesting. Deciphering the minor place names along Cork's southwest coastline is the title of a Dukas Thanakilti Heritage Zoom lecture, which will be given by Jerome Lorden. It's happening on Thursday night of this week at 8pm. You can register for the lecture by going on to www.dukasthanakiltiheritage.com. The Cope Foundation, they're appealing for people to support their fundraising campaign by taking part in their Walk 300,000 Steps Challenge for the month of February. You can check out all of the details on Cope Foundation webpage or go to their Facebook page. And adult social dancing continues at Fremont Community Hall every Sunday from 3 to 6pm. Next Sunday, the 30th of January, the ever-popular Checkers Band will delight the dancing. February the 6th, it's the turn of the singing Jarvie, Jerry Healy, while Declan Anger will provide the music on the 13th of February. Philbert Dennehy and his band will be there on the 20th. Now, no children will be permitted. Light refreshments will be served. And the entry cost to social dancing in Fremont is €10, with proceeds going to the upkeep of the Fremont Community Hall. Court today on C103. 
with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Two West Cork towns are celebrating because they have got two new millionaires after two winning Euro Million tickets were sold in the region. The owners of the golden tickets, one sold in Clonakilty, the other sold in Dunmanway, can now each claim a one million euro prize. Joining me, the two winning shops that sold the tickets, Andrew Healy is in Supervalue in Dunmanway and Samantha Minahan is in Gala in uh, Clonakilty. Uh, good afternoon to you both. Congratulations. Thank you very much. OK, explain how you found out, Andrew. How did you find out that you had sold the winning ticket at Supervalue in Dunmanway? Yesterday, I'd say at around half past 12, my phone started um, message after message after message, uh, and it was basically the the National Lottery press release that went out that said it was um, Dunmanway and Clonakilty and Galway. Uh, so everyone was saying, is it you, is it you? And I said, I don't know. Um, and then at about two o'clock, um, the National Lottery rang uh, and um, congratulated the store uh, and the the, the, the winner. Um, and then we couldn't say anything until last night. So we had to keep, <laughs> had to keep, had to keep it a secret from everybody. But, uh, but it was good, good excitement. Though. And there's a great buzz around the place. This morning, the lottery are actually here um, taking photographs now at the moment. So it's... Um, all good excitement and and fantastic for the for the winner. A million euro is uh, a nice amount of money to win. Okay, similar with you, Samantha. Is that how you found out as well? Yeah, um, my phone rang yesterday afternoon. All right, and uh, just to say that we were after selling the million million euro ticket, and again, like Andrew, I wasn't able to tell anyone, and I was bursting with excitement, but. Um, Actually, the news came out this morning. And, and do they give you, Samantha, any information as to what time you sold the ticket at? No, no. no I was only given the day. Is that all? Is that all? Yeah. And, and uh, Andrew, do you know, like, is it a quick pick? Do they give you any information like that to try to whittle it down? No, at, at, at the moment, I have no idea uh, what day it was sold. I have no idea whether it was someone that did their numbers regularly or if it was a quick pick um, or if it was someone local or someone passing through um, you, you, you wouldn't have that information until the person comes forward and that's it. if the person wants to stay private they can stay private So, but there's a lot of lot of speculation so I can tell you it wasn't me uh, so My next question was going to be did, did, had, you, did, had, you, had you done it yourself Andrew? No I had not thought so we, we, we do we do the, the 54321 syndicate um, in the shop there's a, a group of us do that um, and it's, it's up three times we, we, do, oh. we do three numbers so it's uh, it's three and a half thousand euro each time it comes up. Um, so it's um, but I haven't put it on a couple of years. To be fair, so okay. And Samantha, had did you check your ticket? I did. <laughs> I had checked it prior uh, to getting the phone call, so I knew I was out the minute the phone rang. And is this your biggest win, um, Samantha, to date? Well, I actually only took over the shop. Um, on the 6th of September of this year, oh. um, I went out um, on my own and said I'd give running my own business a, a go. So well it's a good start. Um, In the middle of a pandemic, you decided to? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well done. Well done. And you seem to have the... the um, and uh, But do, do you know previously, had there been winners at that store? Um, not that I'm aware of, not no. You. Okay. And what about you, um, Andrew? Have you had big winners before? Uh, we have had a big winner. Um, 
similar there to, to Samantha, shortly after we, we opened, uh, we're here 17 years, so it's about 16 years back, um, and we had um, a main winner, to, I think it was 1.2 million at the time, so it was... Um, it's fantastic, uh, you know, to, to to get a million second time round is it's great. It's brilliant. It's, did, it's really did without saying names, did that person go public who won the one point two million? No, they stayed private. And did uh, but did they approach you? Do you know who they are? No, no, no. <laughs> it was it was always one of those mysteries around town. I wonder, I wonder who it was. But. Yeah, and you see everyone now is watching everybody. If, you bu- if they buy a new car or they put an extension, yeah, for sure, or, yeah. or a foreign holiday, it's fantastic. But a great buzz around the place. For sure, for sure. I, I, I can hear the, the cars in the streets um, all along the horns going past um, and there's, um, there's the staff are taking photographs taking plenty of cheering going on up there so it's, Brilliant. All, it's all, all, all good fun. Brilliant. And uh, Samantha, have, have they been down doing your photographs yet? Uh, no, uh, after lunch they're okay. coming to me. Uh, they went to Dunmanway first. First, okay, yeah. They're, they're on their way, uh, basically. They're on their way, yeah. And then yeah, we'll get, get them over Samantha first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Andrew, as the winning shop, do you, do you receive, do you get a prize, do you? We do, we do. We get a prize, yeah. Um, so, um, now what we've done already this morning is we've um, we've divided it up amongst the staff inside in the shop because um, they've been they've been Trojan um Always, you know, for the last, particularly with COVID, you know, they've they worked so hard. So it's just a fantastic bonus for the store. Um, and that's exactly what we've done with the money. So That's very generous of you. But to be, you know, they, they're, they're the lifebone of the uh, of the shop. So, so they deserve it as much as, as much as we do. So OK, OK, well, well done. Well done. And you've been had, I mean, we're, there's the feeling we're coming out of the pandemic, even though I don't, we're all too afraid uh, to say that. It's been, it's been tough, um, Andrew, particularly, you know, super value, big store, been tough going. It, it has been, it's been tough. Um, and there's no, there's no doubt about it, um, you know, cause, because, you know, all the way back to March of 2020 that everybody was told, um, you know, there's a pandemic, you have, to, you, have to, you have to stay at home. I remember the first day, and I, I was, that the evening before I was at home, said, do I have to stay at home? I know. <laughs> because the, the, the guy, you, you kind of had to just roll, roll with it, um, and, you know, and everybody came into work, and, you know, so it's... Um, it, it has been difficult, but you would hope at this stage, you know, that, um, that we're coming out to the other side of it. Yeah, because somebody earlier mentioned about that you know, somebody who works in retail uh, was saying, hope, hopefully now as we're starting to come out of it, the people will be kinder. Uh, some people, tempers got frayed and sometimes the staff was at the cold face of that anger, Andrew. Uh, yeah, that, that has happened. Now, in, 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 to be fair, uh, we haven't experienced much of that, but I, but I would be aware uh, that, that it would have happened in, in other stores. Um, and it, it's been challenging. It's been challenging yeah. for, for everybody. Yeah. OK. And uh, so, Samantha, great buzz in Clonakilty this morning. Is there, is there much speculation as to who's won it? Um, no, people are asking. All right, they, A lot of people are coming into the shop congratulating, obviously, the shop and the staff. Um, but... Obviously, no one has come forward, and um, we'd urge everyone to check their tickets. Yeah, and um, and hopefully it'll be someone local, and Clonakilty will have a new millionaire. Well, normally I would be saying with Clonakilty, actually, there's so many people, you know, staycationing, and so many people down there for weekends away and down there on holidays. But obviously, last week you're still at, the chances are it's somebody local, isn't it? There's a good chance it's someone local, all right. But again. There was a few kind of coming down for city breaks and stuff was like that there? at the weekend. So, 
you never know. No, we don't. We don't begrudge them the win either. But it would be nice if the money stays local for sure. Listen, congratulations exactly. to you both, and and enjoy it because it's it's nice to have a bit of buzz and a bit of excitement on a Monday for sure. Thank you both for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Good afternoon. I keep getting the past the 12 wrong. Andrew Healy, Super Value John Manway, Samantha Minahan, Gala in Clonakilty. If you did Euro Million, it was Euro Millions for last Friday night in either of those stores, please, please check your ticket. You could be 1 million euro uh, better off. Okay, let me quickly take a look at some of, just very quickly, just run down through a couple of last uh, texts that are coming in. Somebody was on about the mask wearing. Remember, Annie was saying she got harassed for wearing the mask and she was saying to people, would you leave me alone, please? This listener says, uh, what about people who can't wear masks? We're also being harassed. The table was turned on Annie. Now she knows how it feels to be harassed. I have no problem with people wearing masks, but leave me alone. I can't wear one. I have a COPD and I literally can't wear a mask. People People need to be aware of uh, that. Uh, Christopher says, Patricia, they may have opened up society too soon, in my opinion. They say the numbers are dropping. A joke. People are just not reporting positive antigen tests because they can't afford to be out of work. Pubs and clubs are now free for alls with no masks, no COVID certs. People are mixing. You can't go on a bus or go into a shop without a mask. Where is the logic when they're telling you you're going to a pub or a club and you don't need to have a mask on? Are they saying going into a club or a pub is safer than going on a bus and then to round it all off our poor children are still being made to suffer having to still wear masks in school why are the kids still being punished for something that was never their fault what a joke of a country we live in Uh, what the hell we can still drink ourselves stupid and then go for a dance boogie on that's from uh, Christopher not happy with the way things are going for sure uh, thank you for that. And I just want to pick up on hi. Oh, Carrie Crowley was also in Fair City. Thank you, she was. Somebody else. There was one other text I wanted to get to uh, here. Oh, yeah, this is because I wanted to mention this because this programme is on tonight. Dan says, Patricia, the documentary that's going to be on tonight, re Joanna Hayes and the other members of her family, the Kerry Babies uh, cases, it will show criminal behaviour, I feel, by serving Gardaí at the time. Some of them are alive and still on pensions. Uh, should they not be prosecuted or at least lose their pensions? And how... and. And their victims contribute to it in their taxes, uh, says Dan. This is the final, the third and final episode of Crimes and Confessions. I don't know if you've been watching it over the last two weeks. This is the third one. And tonight, the Kerry Babies case is going to be re-examined and it would look at what now is an infamous case which saw... Joanna Hayes, who was a single mother, accused of killing her baby. At the time she was 25, she had a newborn baby. No, sorry, she had had a baby, but at the same time, a newborn baby had been washed up on the beach in Carsavine in April of 1984. Joanne Hayes, who had given birth and whose baby had died, was accused of also having baby, the other, the second baby, baby John, as it was called, after hours of interrogation at Tralee Garda Station. Joanne and four of the members of her family signed what they later claimed were false statements confessing to the role in the death of baby John. And Garda Forensics, of course, later relieved, revealed she couldn't possibly have been the mother of that little baby and therefore all charges were then dropped. It was just one of those incredible 
cases that I think gripped the nation. But remember, it happened back in 1984, but it wasn't until 2020 that we got the findings of the Kerry Babies Tribunal. And that then led to a state apology and compensation to the Hayes family. But they went through all of that from 1984 up to uh, 2020. And it's funny, I've been talking to John Paul about this programme, Crimes and Confessions. He doesn't remember, he knows little or nothing of the care of... because of his age, he doesn't uh, know, remember anything of the Kerry baby story. So I'm really interested in him watching it uh, tonight. And there will be a, you know, a proportion of people who will sit down to watch it tonight who will come to it with, with fresh eyes. You will be, it's it, it's jaw-dropping to even realise what this family were actually pushed through. And of course, this whole series, Crimes and Confessions, is all to do with allegations that at the time the Gardaí had what some people would call a heavy gang operation throughout the 70s and into the uh, 80s and it they got confessions out of people and people ended up confessing to doing things that they didn't uh, they didn't do at all and of course the very first case was to do with the murder of a teenager Una Linsky in 1971 and they've never found anybody for Luna Linsky's murder, but yet they got young lads in the area to confess to doing it. And again, they had nothing at all to do with it. And then last week was the Silence Train robbery. So tonight, Crimes and Confessions dealing with the Kerry uh, Babies story. And that's on uh, after the news at nine o'clock. It's about 9.35 tonight, I think, will be well worth the watch. 0818103103. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. Looking for your questions, please, for Annalise Drissell, our nutritional therapist, or you can text or WhatsApp your question to 0862103103. Court today on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 
nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. And you are very welcome. Okay, let's get straight into uh, questions for you. Hi, question for Annalise. Is there any natural remedy to replace hydrochloroxyquine? I've been diagnosed with Sorgen's syndrome and I'm awaiting treatment. My doctor told me that the above medication isn't being prescribed at the moment due to a short supply. Thanking you from Mags. Hydroxychloroquine. I wonder... Now, I see I'm not being a pharmacist. I wouldn't be familiar with every drug. But that sounds familiar, Patricia. I think that is the one that was being um, hailed for COVID. So I, that's that's actually, when I'm looking at it now, that's exactly it was the one yeah. that um, Donald Trump was on about, I'm sure. Yes. So, well, I suppose the natural approach really to um, to any type of illness or any type of symptoms is to try and work at the root cause. Um, and with Sorgren's syndrome... The, um, is, the root cause is autoimmune. So it's your own immune system that is um, doing the damage. So the, the natural approach is to rebalance the immune system. And there's a number of different things that we normally use for that. Um, like the fish oils are one of the best ones. Um, they are great for promoting Treg cells, which is a type of T cell that helps regulate the immune system. And I'd go for a high-strength omega oil, like you're looking for an absolute minimum of... Um, probably about 600 EPA and at least 400 DHA. And the DHA, this is, these are the different types of the omega-3s that are in the fish oil. The DHA is particularly good for sorghums as well because it's very good for mucus-producing tissue. The that's other thing, the one with the dry mouth, isn't it? That's the one with yeah. the dry mouth, exactly. And you get dry eye as well, and that, that, they'd be the most common sort of symptoms. So vitamin E and A and C are also very, very important for healthy mucus-producing cells on skin. So get a good combo of those. If you do any kind of good skin supplement, they'll have all of those in there. Um, zinc is another great one for the immune system as well um, and a good one for autoimmune disease. And then with sorghums, if your mouth is dry, we were talking about this as well last week, Patricia, oil pulling is very good to kind of keep the mouth um, nice and moistened and healthy. And taking a probiotic and getting the gut healthy is another big part in any autoimmune disease. So if there's any irritable bowel clear that up and then you'll notice the knock-on effect. Okay, Teresa's in Court McSherry. She wants any recommendations for fibromyalgia. Is that an autoimmune one as well? No, fibromyalgia is kind of like a syndrome really and to be honest it's another one that annoys me because you know when people are told they've got irritable bowel I feel like saying to the doctor but I just came in and told you my bowel was irritated so why are you telling me it back to me you know it's not a thing, it's a collection of symptoms and fibromyalgia is really just pain in fibrous tissue of the body there's no um, you know there's not an illness that you can catch the interesting thing about fibromyalgia, Patricia, is that it does often go hand in hand with IBS. It seems to be um, an inflammatory disorder. So basically, you're getting a lot of inflammation in the fibrous tissue of your body. You can also have polymyalgia where it affects the fibrous tissue, so your muscles and your joints. And again, that's just the same. It's just pain and inflammation in the tissue. So you're looking again to work at the root level of that and try and dampen down inflammation. So again, most people I find that have an autoimmune disease have IBS and a lot of people with fibromyalgia have IBS. Some people will have developed it after a long time 
uh, pharmaceutical drug use now, so drugs that have been prescribed for various different things. And again, that's because it's affected the bowel. So you need to really resolve IBS if that's there. And then you use a lot of natural anti-inflammatories. So the ones that we get very good feedback on here, uh, there's a one by Nutri-Advanced called Curcudine Forte. And that works really, really well. Um, uh, that That's a combination of t- uh, ginger, turmeric and extract curcumin and another one which is actually the extract of frankincense which is boswellia and that's a lovely natural anti-inflammatory. Also very useful is magnesium especially for anything to do with muscles and that can be used as either a rub to rub in or you can use it as a a supplement to take. And again Nutri-Advanced they do a lovely um, range of different kinds of magnesium powders. There's one called Muscleys, Mega Mag Muscleys, and that's particularly good for people with fibromyalgia. If you've got fibromyalgia along with chronic fatigue, they do one called Energen Plus. Again, it's got all the stuff for your muscles in there, but extra stuff for energy. So natural anti-inflammatories like turmeric and boswellia, and then magnesium for the muscle pain. Helena says, hi, my husband had blood tests done recently. Everything fine except diabetes. Uh, The numbers were slightly high, not too bad, but he was told to keep an eye on uh, it. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke and he is quite healthy and quite active. I'm wondering, would cutting out sweet cakes and drinks, things like my wadi and cordial, summer fruits with no added sugar, is that drink okay? Thanking you, says Helena. Yeah, and that's actually great to get started on that now because you can reverse this is like pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes is generally the next stage along the line. You can actually prevent diabetes, type 2 diabetes and in some cases even reverse it by just diet alone. So in terms of diet, absolutely cut out all sugars. You can use um, cordials and other things that have been um, made with kind of natural sweeteners like um, sucralose is one you'll find. So uh, Stevia is another nice one, or erythritol. These are all sugars that are very safe because they don't spike blood sugar. Um, And then in terms of diet, it's also important not to eat too many simple carbohydrates. And what that is, is the carbohydrates where a lot of the fiber has been removed. So it means switching over to the jumbo porridge oats instead of the ready break style ones. Brown bread instead of white bread, brown rice, whole grain pasta. And to eat these in small amounts up the amount of vegetables in the diet because they have lots of lovely nutrients in there that make the cells more sensitive and responsive to insulin. And then in terms of supplements, there are a couple that could help. So again, back to the omega-3 fats. These are wonderful because they, they actually form part of the cell membrane and they make it beautifully fluid and responsive to um, signals of hormones like insulin. So I would definitely include those in the diet by eating walnuts and oily fish, but also take a supplement. And then there are other things as well that can help improve cell sensitivity. There's a lovely um, supplement called Sucregard by a company called BioCare. And that's a combination of a lot of different things that the cell needs in order to be able to manage glucose. And then berberine is another great one as well that works um, as a great natural anti-inflammatory, but also helps with type 2 diabetes, fatty liver and insulin insensitivity. So include that one in the in the supplement um, mix as well. OK, but doing the right thing now is the time to catch it before it, before it gets uh, any worse. Hi, question for Annalise, please. My husband is taking a tablet for high blood pressure and st- since he started taking them, he's complaining of muscle pain, mostly in his legs. Could Annalise offer any advice? He's due back to his GP and he will discuss it when he gets back into the GP. But I was wondering if could it be 
be the medication? Can the medication deplete, say, the body of magnesium or potassium? And would a supplement be helpful, says Mary? Absolutely. Uh, could be magnesium and, and potassium are both very important electrolytes. And depending on the type of blood pressure medication that you're put on, there's different ones as well. So the calcium channel blocker is one type. And calcium, again, is very important, along with magnesium and potassium for muscle contraction and relaxation. Other ones then are diuretics which reduce blood volume and hence reduce blood pressure that way. And those ones you would definitely be losing a lot of electrolytes like magnesium, calcium and potassium along with the sodium. So either of those could definitely cause the problem. So I would start by maybe using a magnesium rub. Um, Taking magnesium as well um, can help with blood pressure. If it does like help lower blood pressure, then it might be contraindicated with the medication because your blood pressure then might drop too low and you'd start getting dizzy spells and possibly even fainting, which could be dangerous. So just keep an eye on the supplements. I think if you take magnesium at night, your body can take what it needs and it doesn't really interfere with what's going on in the day, especially if you've taken your blood pressure tablet in the morning. So go for something like a magnesium biglycinate in a lower dose, but it's very well absorbed. Um, and take that at night, maybe 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And you can also use the magnesium gel rub. Okay, another listener wants to know, what would cause itchy skin on my face after eating chocolate? Um, Strange one, but I've seen so many different strange things over the years, Patricia. I would say that it is probably an allergy to something in the chocolate. Now, there are different things that people don't do well with in chocolate. There's something called theobromelene. Um, A lot of people that can trigger migraines um it depends what type of chocolate it is maybe it's the sugar if there's a little bit of a yeast condition that can flare a yeast uh, flare up on the skin or if it is an, a dairy issue it could be that as well so um i think probably the best thing to do is cut out the chocolate there uh, or maybe switch to if you were to switch to a very dark chocolate that had no added sugar or dairy that would rule out whether it was those issues um causing the problem and because and if it still doesn't, maybe then it's the theobromelene in chocolate and you don't have to be so careful about dairy and sugar. Okay, and that the dark chocolate can be very bitter, but you can get used to it. And one final one, uh, can porridge upset your tummy? Yes, absolutely. Um, and the, the, it's, a, it's an unusual one as well, Patricia, because I do the food intolerance tests here and it's not one that comes up commonly. I know myself when I have porridge, I feel starving afterwards. So it something, does something for me for the acid in my stomach. And over the years, I've seen it with lots of people, you know, if they've cut out wheat and it doesn't do any benefit, the next thing I'd nearly suggest then is switch the porridge in the morning to either spelt grain or millet flakes, which you can also make porridge with and see does that um, solve the problem. Buckwheat is another type of flake that you can buy to make a porridge. So, yeah, even though oats are naturally gluten-free, um, they and even if you don't have a problem with gluten, for some people they upset their stomach. Yeah, okay, that's your body telling you. Listen, we leave it there. Thank you for Thanks, that. Patricia. Have a lovely week. That's Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And Annalise will put up all of the items that she mentioned as heard on the radio on her website, healthhubstore.com. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com. And as always, John Paul puts it up as our slot with Annalise, puts it up as a podcast because we always get inundated saying, What did Annalise say for X, Y, and Z? So you can hear it there as well. And thanks to Councillor Declan Hurley listening to uh, my chat with the two winning. 
Ring Shops, who sold a one million euro Euro Millions ticket, one in Clonakilty, one in Delmanway. Casa Declan Hurley says, Hi Patricia, what great news for West Cork with two lotto winners. Congratulations to the lucky winners and what a time for a windfall just as COVID restrictions are lifted. It's a welcome boost of happiness in both communities. Uh, here, here, you're, you're dead right. Thank you for that, uh, Declan, and thank you for for your call. And as a reminder to people to check your tickets in case you you are the winner. Okay, gotta leave it there. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow morning at ten. Onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.